Hey, hey. Um, I, I was wondering, are you doing anything tonight? Are you free? Um, no, I'm not doing anything tonight. Why? Do you want to go out on a date? Ooh, a date, huh? Um, oh, actually, yeah, I did have plans. Uh, yeah, I have plans. Plans with what? Actually, I have plans with my radio. Your radio? Because I'm listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Oh, well, we could listen to KUCI in Irvine together. Uh, no. The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This show is called Pills, Easy to Swallow Stories in Medicine, and I am your host, DJ Broca. I'm welcoming you to the 10th episode of Pills, I think, on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Um, This show might be a little bit unique in its own way because I don't have a guest. I think this is the first show so far that I don't. So I was thinking about all the things I could talk about and discuss with you today it's being a talk show um well first of all i wanted to have some good music in the background to go along with whatever we're going to chat about um you're listening to christian loffler in the back um this is his album young alaska some really good ambient um type electro music and um i realized for a lot of us this is finals week myself included and i just finished up one of my classes in the morning um Uh, which is anatomy Uh, and it's nice because come to think of it this is the second to last episode of the quarter if we count the one next week over spring break and I remember the second episode of this program we had the professor of anatomy come here and kind of give us a talk Um, now if uh, he was here again I'm sure I'd be kind of asking him more about my grade than whatever it is we were talking about then but uh that being said, I, ha- I have to kind of think back and think about all the things we have learned in this class, which was really like a tour de force. Uh, you learn so much about the human body and all its ins and outs that I thought it would be kind of cool to just kind of take this chance to reflect on so much of kind of what makes up a human, right? I mean, that's the, that's the question, I think, that um, goes into a lot of what it... what 
med- medical education is, is what is a human being. And then when people kind of deviate from that because of some sort of injury or some sort of disease, how do you get back to being full human, fully functional, fully happy and aware and kind of it's this process of taking you back. So a lot of the a lot of the coursework I think in medical school the first year focuses on that first question of what does it mean to be human? And that's where anatomy comes in where you wor- learn about all the blood vessels, all the muscles, all the um you know structures that make up the body and it's immense it's such an overwhelming class because each time you're learning so so much um that is good to kind of once you're done with it all come back through and think about okay so what did i learn how do i put all of that together and think about this whole complete picture and i thought if i were to kind of try to explain that to somebody who um hasn't taken this class or hasn't thought about it how would i how would i start and uh it's kind of a hard question actually because you know you learn about it like i said through all this detail so how you're going to music festival oh. and bring- you don't want that ad um so if if you think about how you're going to kind of come back and uh, summarize all of that it's it's not the easiest thing actually um so but if i were to do it i would start with you know there's this whole joke about how fit in physics the way um a physicist thinks about anything is to simplify it down to its simplest parts like uh let's assume in that fashion that the human body is just a sphere let's say and then of course a sphere is not doing it justice at all right like uh, a sphere is a 3d object so you've got that element in similar but that's about where the similarities lies i mean uh, a sphere doesn't have the uh well crafted abs or the chiseled face that i have right uh you've got um some pretty simple shapes there so how do you get from that to the full intricacies of the human body well i guess i would start by puncturing a hole through that sphere so i think i think this is one of the most basic um body plans that you have to start off with because you need basically a hole to come through the whole thing to make it kind of look much more like a donut right so you have uh, a hole in the center that you can pass a finger through and even if you're in the middle of that hole you're not inside the donut and this is this is crucial because basically what that hole represents is the whole gastrointestinal tract that the food we eat starting from the mouth and ending up in the anus goes through. I mean, none of that ever goes inside your body except for whatever is absorbed. So let's let's start with that donut that we got from the sphere and then let's extend it out of course because we're not so pudgy. We're we're much taller than we are wide uh in most cases. And so I guess you would have to stretch that donut out quite a bit. and uh you start to get this long cylinder and what i'm saying is that that middle part through the cylinder is going to be like your gastrointestinal or gi tract through which you can consume food and let go of whatever you didn't absorb right 
so that's that's kind of a very 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 basic body plan that we have and a lot of other species have there's actually some species that don't have a full tube going through they only have a tube that goes in part of the way and then they kind of throw up whatever they don't eat i mean it's past lunch so hopefully that's not a too unappealing a thing to think about but but you do have this tube for humans that goes all the way through and it's not just the gi track that connects up to the the front of it our mouth you have to think also we when we take in breaths of air our noses and mouths connect up to this tube for a little while before they kind of outpouch into this um, other sac and i think this sac is kind of like a balloon and what i'm talking about here is the lungs right so the thing that allows us to breathe in and out is going to be also connected up to the mouth and it's going to expand in and out according to the breaths we need and this works really by physics i mean i think one of the surprising things when you start to decompose the body down to its functional parts so things like the respiratory system the thing that allows you to breathe or the gastrointestinal system that allows you to get nutrients from your food is that you realize a lot of these work on very basic physics principles so in the case of the lungs if you think of a balloon that works by expanding the balloon i mean we expand a balloon by blowing air into it right but the lungs are the opposite problem you want air to come in by expanding it physically so imagine instead of now blowing air into the balloon you're pulling the balloon and so air naturally flows in and then you're contracting the balloon so that the air now stripped of its oxygen can come out so the lungs are kind of amazing and work in this rhythmic fashion constantly pulling air in and pulling air pushing air out and the rate at which it does this is controlled by all sorts of sensors that are keeping track of how much oxygen your body has and it adjusting it as necessary through things we'll talk about in the nervous system coming up um so you've got this whole system going in the front right next to the lungs or i should say the lungs are in this space on that cylinder we were talking about up up near the front um up at the top um very close to it is another organ system that's super important and of course all of us know about which is the heart and the heart is doing a a a similar rhythmic function although its purpose is quite different what the heart is doing there is also beating at a faster rate than the lungs are or well the lungs aren't breathing beating but you know they're expanding and contracting but the heart is rhythmically moving at a much faster rate and it acts much more like a pump so if the lungs were like a balloon the heart would be like a pump that gets blood coming in from one side through the veins like the superior and inferior vena cava and then it lets it through the arteries the aorta being the biggest one for example and this pump is essentially just pushing blood in from one side and out to the other side and and what's what's kind of cool is that the the highways that these blood vessels take through your body are so extensive i mean they go everywhere and you usually think of blood vessels as something um like if you've ever seen on a body uh, kind of something you can see but they just branch and branch and branch to become smaller and smaller become microscopic such that you can't really uh, see them at certain points and just 
like innervate extensively. In fact, it's parts of the body that don't have good innervation, sometimes joints and things like that, that are more problematic because although you might not bleed as much if you cut into them or injure them in some way, they actually heal much more slowly because your blood can't bring in nutrients and other things that could potentially repair those areas. So, you know, the blood is carrying a lot of things, primarily oxygen, which is something the whole body needs in order to produce its own food. But it also brings in other nutrients. It, it can bring in uh, immune cells. It's, it's like a highway, basically, like uh, the most extensive highway you're going to get throughout the body. And the heart is at the middle of it, kind of making sure this highway is up and going. It's running along smoothly. Everything is coming in and out. Um, some of the disorders that we kind of discussed uh, in class were interesting because what they do is they prevent the heart from actually pumping. So they'll be they'll say the heart also rests inside this sac, just like uh, when it comes to the lungs. But what'll happen with the heart is that the sac that it's in could become um, just kind of hard and uh, difficult to for the heart to pump. And in those kinds of cases, which is called cardiac tamponade, it gets really dangerous because if your heart can't beat, then it can't send the blood throughout your body. And places like the brain that are using up 20% of your um, blood, the all the oxygen in your body, 20% um, of the whole body's oxygen goes to the brain. Um, like say eight minutes without blood, without the heart beating is means brain death, you know? So it's essential that the heart keep functioning and keep working. Um, when it comes to the heart's own health, the heart kind of in a very meta way has its own vessels that go to it. So there's vessels that loop around and provide the heart which is a muscle with its own oxygen. It's kind of weird, right? Because that's the place where a lot of blood already is. So you'd think it's already nourished, but no, it needs its own blood vessels to come to it and nourish it. These are called coronary vessels. And um, maybe you might know yourself or somebody else you know who has coronary artery disease because this is very prevalent and it's a problem with those blood vessels that go to the heart. Now, if those blood vessels aren't properly um, nourishing the heart, then you can have d damage and deaths to parts of the heart, which will show up as a heart attack. Um, and so that's also, of course, a very dangerous prospect. And it might it might be necessary for some uh, doctor to go in and um, clear up one of those coronary vessels if uh, that seems to be the case. Um, so we've talked about the lungs and we've talked about the heart. All of these as you know, would be near the top of the body, top of that cylinder that we're constructing to make that whole human body. And it's gonna be encased in this rib cage. And this rib cage are these bones that are just gonna come out and encase this and protect them. Because like we said, you know, this is what's giving you your breath. This is what's giving you your circulating your blood, like really important things. And you can't allow some sort of thing to come and hit it right uh and damage it for good and so your body has kind of s developed this uh, bony strong structure to take all impacts and your rib cage can get broken right you can have broken ribs you can have dislocations and fractures on it but that's much better than anything that could happen to you inside in your um on your lungs or on your heart 
Um, but the rib cage only goes so far. There's 12 ribs that you have. And then after that, if you think about the belly region, you don't have really bones there. What you have instead are these strong, long longitudinal muscles that go from where your ribs end down to the pelvis. And these muscles are the things that you'd work out if you want a six pack, basically. But it's also where fat accumulates if you, you know, don't do that. Um, and so you've got inside that, you've got that GI tract coursing along, making its way through things like the liver, the pancreas, the small and large intestines, the kidneys, all of these things that are doing things like processing that food that you got by ground, grounding it up or chemically digesting it. And uh, the kidneys, which are filtering your blood so that you can produce urine, all the things that you don't need and all the bad metabolites. So you let all of those things go from that kidney source while your uh, GI tract, which loops immensely. So you think this is like, you know, the humans are what, like six feet tall maybe for like a pretty tall guy or something. But your GI tract is 30 feet. So imagine how much it's coiling inside of you. And what's really cool is that you can hear as the food is going through if you put a stethoscope to your stomach. So if a doctor's ever done that, um, that's pretty much what they're listening to. Not only a stethoscope, but you can kind of drum out sounds on different parts of the stomach and make sure that the things sound proper. So for example, the liver has this dull sound to it if you percuss it or you know play drums on it and you can uh, make sure that the extent to which the liver goes is the right um you know size because in some disorders you can have the liver go grow expansively and get too big so all of these like soft tissue and things like that are in that stomach region and you don't really have a rib cage but what you do have is this bony vertebra that's going all the way down Right, So the vertebra is 33 bones that stretch from basically your skull, that neck region, all the way down to your pelvis. And these are 33 vertebra that are going to encase inside its bony armor the spinal cord that's super important in order for you to control anything and get sensation from the rest of your body. We'll come back to it if we have time. But basically this vertebral column is where, um, which is giving you both kind of an axis and a, a structure to your body. You know, we were talking about that donut. Uh, if you don't have this, it would probably just kind of flop, but instead you can hold up, uh, hold up a good posture because you have this vertebra. And so you've got that going, uh, but then it's going to end, the 33th vertebra is going to end, and in, what you're going to get in that region is your pubic uh, pelvis bone, which is kind of like this, like, uh, let's call it a bowl. And inside that bowl, you're going to collect all sorts of, it, it gets really complicated there because basically the heart's been sending down these really big arteries that course really finely and distribute out into all sorts of things in your midsection so going to your stomach going to your pancreas things like that you have this like nice layout but you still have that big artery that gets all the way down to your pelvis and then just hell breaks loose because it it divides into all sorts of things that you know you're lucky you don't have to memorize but um 
it, it gets pretty complicated in that. And the pelvis is kind of like this bowl that's collecting all of this and, um, you know, allowing for a lot of the things that let secretions out of your body at that point. And, you know, because you've kind of processed it throughout your midsection, your uh, uh, GI tract has taken care of it, you're, um, you're producing urine and things like that, and then you can just kind of let it go there. Apart from, so, so basically what we've talked about is all of the midsections, but what we haven't even touched on are the appendages and the, the head and things like that. So in the last couple minutes, we'll talk about those. Let's, let's talk about the, the legs and arms actually, because that's, that's quite a cool thing if you are interested in muscles. I mean, when you go to the gym, that's what you see a lot of people working on, right? Like it's leg day or it's arm day and people are trying to get those gigantic biceps or whatever it is. But um, the way these muscles work is kind of incredible because they're kind of like pulleys. Like remember how I was saying a lot of these parts can be decomposed into some physics thing right like we were talking about the balloon for the lungs when it comes to muscles they're like pulleys that are attached at one uh bone and then attached again at the next bone and they're just kind of when they get contracted because they get an impulse that's coming from the brain saying hey like lift this they're going to shorten and because of the way they're attached they're just naturally going to pull on whatever they're attached to so if if you're talking about the bicep muscle it's going to be attached to your radius um so that's your forearm bone and when it contracts it's just going to pull that up and so you can lift something um and so you have this like really intricate system of pulleys that's throughout and it's going to provide you a great way to control each of the bones uh in different compartments of the body and um this is this this system keeps going and not only do you have uh, nerves and whatnot that are coming in to uh, selectively activate certain muscles but you also have each each section and you kind of compartmentalize different parts of the limb I should say so for example you have your anterior forearm which is the front section of the forearm and you have the posterior forearm and the reason you compartmentalize it is because it's easier than to think about all the individual muscles that are in each of these sections so for example the anterior forearm could have uh, one muscle that controls the thumb, another muscle that controls the um, like uh, small finger and another muscle that controls the middle fingers, things like that. But basically what all these muscles are going to be doing is going to be extending these fingers up, right? So there's a basic functional pattern there. And it's easier to think about that in that compartment. But also because the same nerve is going to basically go in and innervate all of these muscles. So an impulse coming in from the brain that says, hey, lift this up, is going to hit all of those muscles. And that's why um, in certain cases, if you try to move certain fingers, you can't move them independently, right? So if you've tried to move, say, your um, pinky finger, you'll notice the ring finger is kind of moving a little bit too. And that's because... Uh, the, the signal that's coming in to move that pinky finger is also going to some of your other muscles as well. Um, and so you've got this whole scheme set up that's conveniently 
pushing um, impulses from the brain out to the limbs and allowing you to move, uh, which adds a whole new dimension to to the body. Because not only are you able to really sustain life, which was that that middle section that we talked about, but you're able to move around and interact and do all sorts of other things with it. Now, we haven't even touched on the head, but the head is going to represent some really cool evolution because now you've taken all these processes and you've you've kind of put a command center up there, which is the brain, that's going to be able to direct okay, now you do this, or now you do that, and control all sorts of other parts of the body while also monitoring to make sure things are going fine. And so you have really, really complex and intricate um, circuitry there that makes sure all these signals coming in and going out get to their proper location, not to mention control things that are in the face and um, head anyways, such as your facial expression, your ability to chew, things like that. So all of this was, I guess that was like a whirlwind condensed mini tour of anatomy. Um, I don't know if I'm doing justice to a class that's been going on for over a semester now, but you know, that was it. I will leave you with that. And coming up next is uh, Uncle Satra, who's here and ready to get going. So thank you for listening, and uh, I'll see you next time. This has been Pills, Easy to Swallow Stories in Medicine, and you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM. Thanks.